At MXU, we love how Church Gear supports the local church. Do you have it on your 2023 New Year's list to clear out your used gear closet? With Christmas behind us and Easter still a few months out, this is your chance to start the year off with an empty closet. That means more space for you. Church Gear can help you convert that used gear into new dollars for your ministry. Just send them your list of gear at churchgear.com and they'll help you out. You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 135 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here finally back again from all over the world. My co-host today, Dadu Worldwide himself, Jay Desai. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. (laughs) All right. So for those of you who might not understand Jay's signature. He did that with Gene Kim, too, a couple episodes ago. Today, the beverage of choice, though, is Minute, Minute Made Mango. Mango. How is it? It's actually pretty good. Well, it's time for a healthy breakfast. you got to drink the mango juice. Yeah, I'm basically a mango. I, I literally could eat mangoes all day, every day. Mangoes are really good, especially yeah. if you're in a place where mangoes are actually local and seasonal i mean it's not not atlanta not atlanta not in january (laughs) (laughs) actually i did have some mangoes from miami earlier this year and they were pretty good okay the best mangoes in the world are from india and i'm not saying that because i'm indian but it's just proven i've never had an indian mango but you kind of look like an indian mango sometimes (laughs) actually i wore this mango colored indian outfit to a wedding earlier this year and i kept calling myself little mango it really (laughs) should have been big mango but here we are (laughs) that's amazing well you have not been with us for a while um and that's because you've been traveling a bunch so after right after christmas you went to england and the uk and so tell us about your trip Oh, it looked it was like awesome. it was awesome. Yeah, I had a great time. Um, you know, just doing diplomatic stuff as I do while overseas. I understand. Hanging, hanging out and uh, seeing some fam. I've got some family. I saw some friends. I had some friends traveling um, both in England and in Scotland. So I went and did that. It was awesome. Got to spend some quality time with people I really like. Ate it's some incredible great. food as always, you know, the yep. Indian food. So good. I stayed in Soho. I didn't stay with my family, um, which I haven't seen. Really talked to my mom in depth about it, but I'm sure I have some upset aunts. I'm sure uh, word has already gotten back to your mother, and you're going to have to deal with that. Oh, yeah. Man, the lashings <laughs> at this age. Uh, 40, I still get beat. <laughs> um, I deserve it, though. Uh, it was great. Honestly, um, I didn't. I took my laptop and I didn't open it one time, but I have this weird thing where I hate not having it. Yeah. But I literally didn't open it. I love it. Well, you had such a busy season up to that point with the yeah. Johnny Swim Christmas dates and all the stuff just prepping piling for up at the end of the year. Yeah, prepping yeah. for passion. So how here's the big question though. How did it feel not to be at Passion this year? Because you did a lot of work leading up to it and then kind of yeah. hand it off and just let other people run with it, which is great. So, yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I'm obviously, uh, it would be stupid to say there weren't like mixed emotions with it, you know? Of course, yeah. But yeah. 
I loved hearing it went great. I mean, I heard from you and several of the people, obviously, uh, as soon as I got back to church, everyone was like, it was awesome and it was great. And I'm very, very glad. But for me, it was a much needed break. And I had hints of FOMO. Yeah. Uh, and I also had an incredible time where I was. So I was trying to be very, very present. I didn't watch the live stream at all. <laughs> Uh, you know, people would text me, did you see this? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. This is for everybody. Uh, speaking of not watching the live stream, the live stream is actually still available until the end of January. So if you missed it, if you didn't check it out, you know, it's been on the video podcast. We've talked about it on this podcast. You got to go check out some of the highlights, especially from, uh, passion 23, the Dallas and Atlanta events are streaming at passion2023.com until January 31st. So if you missed it, you got to go check it out from the stage design to the lyric treatment to all the stuff that the guys in the video podcast are talking about to the the broadcast mixes of all the bands to the content from the talks. I'm telling you, it's it's stunning. It's really good. So make sure to check that out. It, it's great. But we missed you, Jay. I got to say, walking backstage and not seeing your smiling face dealing with backline or transportation or stage managing or any of the band guys, you were missed. I appreciate that. I, I did miss being there, but very, very healthy thing for me to step away. And um, I had plenty of distractions over there to keep me busy. That's I cool. just stop in on every third pub, you know? <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's so, what you do over there. Yeah. But I got to say, you know, we've talked on this podcast before about the importance of just connecting with people and reaching out and, the power of a handwritten note. So I have to tell everybody, a couple of days ago, my daughter got a postcard, and on the front, it's a picture of the Edinburgh Castle, and on the back, it's a note from Dadu Worldwide himself to Stella. And she was floored. Like, not just, oh, that's cool, Jay sent me a postcard. It was like, I got mail like to me, handwritten from a friend who is actually checking in on me and just tell me what they're doing across the world. It's like, she was floored. She's got it up on her bathroom mirror. And it's like, so it, it just, it just reminded me of the power of connection. Like, first of all, she thinks you're the coolest person ever, which I mean, who can argue, but I get it. Second, the fact that there would be um, just the, the thoughtfulness and the care taken to actually write somebody a handwritten note it's like it just means so much so that's something i think we can all do better at is we you know just start this new year and want to connect and be healthy with people it's like man don't forget not a text not just a how you doing in the hallway but to send somebody a card to send somebody a letter to write to take the time to write how you're thinking of them and how you feel about them is so powerful well, honestly, I saw her posts, and she didn't know I wasn't going to be there, so that's on you. But <laughs> uh, I saw her post. She was having a great time, and I was trying to unbiasedly not pay attention to a lot of the passion stuff, but her perspective was is fresh, you know? It's like, yeah. I kind of wish I could walk into any event. Honestly, I kind of wish I could walk into church some days and still have the excitement and expectation that Stella had going into into conference. Like she was just, you could definitely tell she enjoyed it. 
left a mark on her. So yeah, wanted to send her some encouragement. So it was great. I I literally sat on a train from Edinburgh to York, which if you've never been to York, it's a magical town halfway between Scotland and England. And uh, I just was writing postcards and it was every, you know, few minutes you look up and look out the window and see, I, I think train travel is still magic. So yeah, totally. I probably watched too many Harry Potter movies. Um, That's awesome. But it was great. So I'm glad she enjoyed her note. But yeah, we should all write each other notes. Sometimes you uh, boldly uh, write things when you write them with your physical hand and not text them or something. And yeah, in order to, like, I write slower than I text. Right. You have to be more thoughtful. Yeah. And so it uh, allows you to kind of form thoughts sometimes uh, all the time before you do it. So. I, and also people don't know what mail is like these days. I know it's, it's amazing when you get a piece of mail, that's not a bill or a political flyer or a junk mail from bed, bath and beyond. It's like, as much as I like your coupons, I really like personal notes much better. I send my nephew postcards a lot from places. Not always. I send Lenny Westbrook to Didi and Michael's daughter postcards always because like, uh, I like one, they get to see it from my perspective, but two, I hope at some point it inspires them to try. I think travel is one of the greatest things ever. Yeah. It broadens, you know, um, minds, but, uh, and connects us with people we never would. So, but yeah, I, I think it's fun. I, I always tell my sister, I hope that one day Dylan just has a stack of postcards for me that he just, he enjoys sitting there reading very Bilbo Baggins vibes, you know? Which I've been well, there's worse. a couple. That's true. Well, <laughs> there's a couple things we need to talk about before we get to our interview today. Um, first of all, I'm excited about our interview. We're talking to the guys from multitracks.com about just using tracks in worship and integrating it into your workflow, but then also specifically playback, which is their uh, playback software that they've integrated into their ecosystem. And it's it's pretty great, so I can't wait for you guys to hear from them. But first, we need to talk about a couple of things. One, one of my favorite things lately that I've seen on our MXU team Slack is from our friend Thomas, who he's done this for a few years now. He Every year, he has, has this thing called Middle School Miked Up, and it's their middle school and elementary school Christmas program. And he basically is PFLing all of the kids' mics backstage and just writes down what they say off stage, but on mic. And it is some of the most hilarious. Like I'm just imagining being a middle schooler backstage <laughs> That's so talking good. on mic. Yeah. So I just want to share a couple because it's sort of like a turned out for MXU, but from a middle schooler in the Christmas program. So here's a few. One kid goes, I did so bad. Somebody else goes, yeah, if bad means good. (laughs) Uh, Another one says, we need to work on the part where we bow, so it actually looks like we're bowing. (laughs) Can you imagine if they had mic'd me up in middle school? Oh, my gosh. I wouldn't mic me up now. No, I'm I'm scared to mic you up, actually, for this podcast. Um, Here's another one. Have you ever felt your armpits rub so much? (laughs) What does that even mean? (laughs) <laughs> I think it's a fat joke. Well, maybe. Answer is yes. As soon as my mic is off, I'm going to fart so hard. 
<laughs> Which I say, you know, showcase it. I mean, if you've got a mic, might as well, might as well flaunt it. Anyway, I just thought those were really funny. Just imagining what backstage at a middle school Christmas program looks like. So oh, thanks, Thomas, insane. for sharing P- that. PFL, your pastor's mic. See what you hear. I'm kidding. Don't do that. Definitely don't, don't do post that. it. Yeah, yeah, definitely don't post you it. You might hear something about your mix. Yeah, or many other things. Anyway, I hope you all um, have things like that to look back on from your Christmas and holiday stuff because, you know, sometimes we just got to look back and have a chuckle because once the heat of the moment is gone and the stress is gone, it, it it's fun just to look back and have fun. So I was going to say, I would love to hear people's um, Christmas nightmares and stories. Tell us them. Yes. Tell us, tell us your Christmas uh, service opportunities. <laughs> highs and lows. Give us your highs and lows. <laughs> yeah. Highs and lows. Uh, um, what, uh, so you did passion conference. What else have you been up to? So um, I mixed at church a few times since I've seen you. Um, We've been integrating the LV1 system in our church. We replaced the M32 at front of house with a Waves LV1 console. Mm -hmm. So I've been helping with the integration of that. So it's been it's been really cool. Um, Are people getting it? Yeah, Uh, the MyMon app, which is basically the personal monitoring system. All the band is using it, and it's I actually like the MyMon app. Yeah, I've used it. It's really cool. Uh, the Barnes Christmas tour last couple of years have used my LV1 and has used my Mon app and they really enjoy it. Yeah. It's very easy to use, super intuitive. Um, Did you use the link feature, the little link mixer thing? I used it where you can basically create in the monitor app, create some subgroups, you know? And yeah. I just did, I just did rhythm, um, melody, melodies, instruments, and then BGVs and lead vocal. It was awesome. Just like yeah, that's cool. Quick submixer thing. So yeah, it's cool. Well, especially if you have a singer on stage who doesn't really need to worry about the level of the bottom snare, you just have a fader that says drums, yeah. and they can just turn the drums up and down. So it's you know it takes it takes your available channels and just condenses it down. So it's like okay, drums, bass, whatever, almost like a DCA, but um, for monitors, it's it's very very straightforward and simple. Yeah, and they, they just came out with a front of house app too. I haven't used yeah, it yet. Yeah, it works Have great you? too. Yeah, so you can basically put it on an iPad and then if you need to walk around and check things in the room, you can control LV1 from the front of house app, which which is great. Huh, I'll try that. Version 14 is coming soon, so I'm curious to see what their new features are going to be because I've heard it's um, it's going to be great. So anyway, that's been exciting. Um, the other th- the other thing that's exciting in general is um, next week we start version two of the MXU seventy five. So exactly. So my question for you, Jay Desai, is: Are you going to be participating with us this year? Yeah, man. I actually did pretty pretty good last year. Yeah. Um. Obviously, the hardest is the end, where it's a lot of water intake no booze which honestly was relatively easy because i'm a socialite regardless whether you know long as i think the key for me was not not making plans because i couldn't drink so if someone's like hey do you want to go grab a drink i'd be like yeah absolutely and i just didn't have a drink yeah Uh, but the water part is the was the hardest thing 
getting, you know, 90, 100 ounces of water in you every day. You just feel like a water bag. You're just walking around like a big old waterbed. <laughs> well, if you're a waterbed, then I'll just rest my head on your belly and uh, we'll call <laughs> Lay it your head on, on my bosom. Um, <laughs> that's biblical. Some scripture in there somewhere. Song of Solomon's type stuff. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'm in. I am for sure in. Honestly, I'm excited to do it. I remember the encouragement text and um, kind of the communal part of that whole thing, and it was fun. It, it yep. led to some great conversations. And Yeah, and I think that the biggest thing for me is that it actually truly changed people. Like, there were a yep. few guys that we've heard from who— Sweet Pete. Their lives are different. Yeah, their lives are totally different because of what they experienced through this challenge. So— for those of you guys who don't know what we're talking about, go to last week's podcast and check out Dr. Barrett's conversation. But um, if you've if you've heard it and haven't signed up yet, go to getmxu.com slash mxu75, and you'll learn all about what we're doing. It's just basically a health challenge from now until Easter that involves some nutrition stuff, some exercise stuff, but it's basically habit stacking. So every five days, you have a new thing that we add to the program to basically stack habits over the over the time frame of 75 days so that we can by easter be healthier versions of ourselves and uh be better so that's what we're all about here and we're challenging you guys to join us so we already have a few hundred people so far um and we just want you to join in on the fun it's going to be great starts next monday the 23rd of january um if you missed that day Go ahead and join us, you know, as you can, because we want to get as many people involved as we can. So, and uh, I think um, last year I just sent a big group text out to a bunch of people that was like, "Hey, I'm doing this. Follow along." And 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 obviously, the follow through of I probably sent it to 20 people wasn't like at the end of it. Not all 20 of us were still doing it, but I you have grace with each other. You fall off, you get back in. Yeah, totally. and uh, uh, the best part was like we would schedule walks and stuff, so people were like, "Yeah, I'll go for a walk with you," or "I'll do this," or yeah, you know. So I think uh, if nothing else, just establishing and building community within your own teams, and then uh, maybe outside of the walls of your church and so forth is good. Yeah. So the other thing that, speaking of community, the other thing that we're doing, you know, part of the program is X number of minutes per day of reading or Bible study and prayer. So we're going to recommend some books so that if you want to do a strategic, maybe deep dive into a topic or a book study, you know, grab a few people from the community here and, or in your own local community face-to-face and go through a book together, go through a book of the Bible together, do something strategic uh, that develops your person, whether it's personal habit or a book on leadership or whatever. So we're going to make some book recommendations as part of the program. And so uh, we just encourage you to jump in with that as well. So it's going to be great. Yeah, man. Um, Tell me, uh, I wasn't on this interview with the multi-tracks guys. Yeah. Tell me like, uh, I mean, they're about to listen to it, but was there like a major revelation for you in the whole thing? Yeah, the biggest thing for me, you know, I knew a lot about the tracks themselves because they have, you know, over 20,000 songs where they have licenses from the original masters, the original publishers, the original record labels to give you access to the masters from 
all these songs. So all the any worship song you can imagine is in their library. So I knew about the tracks, but I didn't know much about playback, which is their software that's kind of like Ableton, uh, but it's in their ecosystem. So I learned a cool. lot about that. And I think, you know, we use it at my church and I learned things about it that um, are pretty compelling. So anyway, I want you to listen and hear from these guys. They're great guys. They love the church. And I think it's a great interview. So let's check it out. Well, I'm really excited to be joined today by Christian and Oscar from Multitracks.com. Guys, welcome to the MXU Podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Great to be here. We're here in Knoxville, actually together in person, because uh, Christian has been recording some content for the MXU platform around Multitracks and playback and just giving us great tips and just ideas about how to use the, the software. And I've, I've learned so much, and I know everybody who watches these videos is going to be really impacted by what you've been able to teach us. So thank you, first of all, oh, for thank that. You. Um, but I wanted to have a conversation on the podcast just to talk about you guys and your history, but then multi-tracks specifically, and how um, for people who aren't using tracks yet or want to implement tracks into their workflow, maybe some ideas and best practices for how they can make that happen. So first... Why don't you guys tell everybody some about yourselves and how you got to where you are. Oscar, let's start with you. Sure, yeah. So my background is worship leading, music producer. I'm a keyboard player by trait. Grew up in a traditional Spanish church and just growing up in that environment. You pick up piano, you pick up bass, drums, it's whatever the, the need is. So uh, that's my background, and that's kind of how I connected with Multitracks. I moved to Austin, Texas, where we're based uh, 12 years ago. And I went there to church plant. It wasn't to be a part of multi-tracks, but God had a different uh, plan and trajectory for my life once I got there when I connected with Philip Edwards, our CEO. And he uh, invited me to be a part of this amazing team. And initially when he asked me to be a part of multi-tracks, I was church planting, I was fundraising, I was playing cover bands, just doing different things and just trying to be obedient to the Lord on what he wanted me to do. And uh, But yeah, Philip saw something in me, and I'll always uh, give him kudos for seeing that in me. And I've been with the company now for 12 years. And when I started with the company, I think we had about four, 500 songs at that time. Uh, some of the passion stuff, Chris Tomlin, and um, music from that era. And fast forward now, 12 years later, we have over 20,000 songs uh, and growing in our catalog. So it's been fun just to see uh, just the trust that the industry has given in us, and we we love to serve the church, but we also love to serve our partners and yeah. the songwriters that are writing uh, songs for the church today. That's cool. So your role is actually in that world. So you're responsible yep. for securing all of the licensing agreements and all of the rights to use not just the songs, but the recordings from the original masters of those songs. That's correct. And so that's a mountain of work. I can't even imagine. Like When, when I think about just what's required for a song for that to happen. But then you expand that to 20,000 songs. I mean, that's that's a lot of relational capital that you've established over the years. And I, I think it's it speaks to actually the, the songwriters and the industry in general that they would be willing to release that to the church. I think it's, 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 it speaks to your mission as a company to go, hey, we want to empower worship leaders and worship teams to deliver these songs in the best possible way. So why not let them present 
the best possible version of that song, which is from the record. So that's really cool. Uh, we'll get back to some of that in a minute, but uh, I want to talk to Christian too. So same same thing for you, Christian. Yeah. Talk us through kind of how you got here. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up as a pastor's kid in the UK, uh, trumpet player in the worship team. Um, by default, found myself picking up an acoustic guitar, becoming a worship leader, and then became a customer of multitracks.com. In fact, my first ever email to the support team was answered by Mr. Oscar and Terriano. So here next to me. <laughs> um, he didn't solve my problem in the first email, but we'll talk about that another time. Uh, and um, yeah, fast forward a few years, found myself working for a church, trying to level up our production, discovered Ableton Live. It clicked, pun intended, and started to put resources out, um, training other churches on Ableton. And then fast forward several years, and now I get to sit at Multitracks as director of products. Uh, we've moved from the UK over to Austin. Uh, and I sit on the other side of the table from Oscar. So Oscar's very much on the content relational side. Uh, my team very much on the product side. So solving problems that worship leaders in day-to-day churches are facing and trying to use technology and innovation to make their lives easier. Uh, and we say our mission statement is to create resources that save worship leaders time so they can focus on the things that matter. Uh, and it, that really ties back in with my story. I, I wish I had more time yeah. when I was a, a worship pastor to focus on people and do some of the, the better That's work. That's great. You told me a story about how much time it would take you as you tried to create tracks on your own mm. to you know, bring some some more to your team than you could pull off with a four-piece band on stage. Yeah. And I, the, the phrase that sticks with me is you would spend basically 40 hours a week for a 30-minute worship set. And to now have that that yeah. time back yeah. and to be able to spend that time now pouring into your team and developing volunteers and building culture and establishing a DNA for the team, like that is so much more valuable in the long run and as it relates to the people side of what we get to do, then, uh, I mean, just that efficiency alone, it's like, that's worth it. I think that's my biggest regret looking back, reflecting on my time in ministry. I worked for three different sized churches in three very different contexts, but I, the common theme was I probably spent too much focus on the production and, and on the excellence and on the performance than I did on the people that I was leading. And it was a necessity. It was the culture of the church we were in. Yeah. But quite easily, you know, 30, 40 hours of my week was focused for that 30 minutes. And it got to the point where it's kind of like, could I use that time better to invest in people and grow people and pastor people? And I got challenged once when a colleague of mine said, Christian, you're a worship pastor, that's your title, but are you capital W or capital P? And really <laughs> pointed out that so much of my focus was on what we call worship and not so much on pastoring. Yeah. So that's kind of like now sits as my internal driver, that if we can create resources that give that gift to people so they don't have to be as consumed in the production side, and I love excellence, I love production, don't hear me wrong, but if we can make that a little bit easier for them to focus more on people, that really excites me. Yeah, well, there is a tension because, you know, modern worship music, like the the fact that worship is a genre mm-hmm. has always been a little uncomfortable for me. It's like, there, but but there is a healthy tension. It's like, we're not we're not just singing hymns anymore. We are singing these songs that are part of a business that are part of a machine that helps, you know, perpetuate the music itself, but it helps feed people's families and it helps, you know, minister to the church at the same time. So there is that maybe healthy tension that we need to acknowledge because it is real. But I think having tools like what Multitracks is able to offer 
through playback and through other software and products in the ecosystem, it really helps kind of keep the main thing, the main thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't know if there's anything you guys would add to that idea, but I think it's, it's so important to remember, um, that it is a ministry, you know, it's not, it's not just making records. It's not just, Hey, let's put a studio in our church. Yeah. It's like, how can we connect with people and help them as a team experience what God has yeah. for them? I'll let Oscar speak to this more, but I know for, from my side of the table, songs are so powerful, right? The number of times I've been in church when a, a song is used, I'm like, that's everything I wanted to say, but I didn't know how to say it. And then as a worship leader, having new songs is the lifeblood of me being able to lead my congregation. And what I love about the combination of both parts of multitracks.com is we get to bridge that journey from the incredible artists and songwriters and publishers and help that song translate into local church, but then make sure it doesn't die there and that we're able to accurately reflect that and honor back to the songwriter so that they can continue creating new resources. And that's your world, Oscar. That's what you, what you get to do. Yeah, no, it's been a fun journey for me uh, just over the last few years being a part of, of this side of, of what we do that um, I think the Lord's also softened my heart. And I'll be honest, at one point I was, I was pretty cynical about <laughs> the Christian music, music industry and what is this. And over the years, as I've gotten the privilege to meet you know, some of these songwriters and the guys that are uh, investing their lives and their time, and they, they're constantly away from their families, and just to see the heart of guys like Tomlin and Cody Carnes and Chris Brown from Elevation and many others that, man, they, they really do believe... Um, and what God has put in their heart, and they love what they do, and it's not about the bottom line. It's about, you know, just bringing you uh, verbiage and lyrics and expressions so that we, the bride, can connect with God. And I think a lot of times people can look at what is happening on social media, and it's easy to criticize. And uh, but a lot of times it's, it's just not, uh, you know, who are we to criticize? You know, the voice. Uh, that God has given to these to these guys and to these gals. So we love getting behind what they're doing. I get excited when I, you know, a same God pops up or a Christ be magnified or firm foundation. And I'm like, yes, here we go. Here's a new way for us to express our love for Jesus. Yeah, that's great. You know, in the years that I spent with Chris Tomlin, I just I just echo what you said. You know, his his whole reason to get up in the morning is to write songs that help people have voice for their faith. Yeah. And to have a way to express what God has done for them and who He is, and so I, I totally echo that. So let's take a bit of a turn. I love I love hearing your guys' hearts, uh, but let's get into the actual sort of nuts and bolts of the product. So why multi tracks in the first place? Why should my team implement backing tracks into our worship set? Yeah, great question. We often say that we don't believe that every church should use tracks. That's not what we're saying. We don't believe that it's a prerequisite to doing ministry or doing worship at all. But we haven't met many churches that haven't benefited from implementing tracks either. And there's a number of different uh, payoffs and benefits and reasons for doing so. For example, I think you can often lower the bar of quality of the musicians that can join your team. Uh, and I've experienced that with youth bands that maybe wouldn't have been able to hold their own, but the supplementation of tracks has allowed that to be able to be a, a part. And right through to incredible musicianship who can cover all of the parts, but simply can't replicate everything that was recorded in a studio. Yeah, it could be the size of the team is right. a limiting factor. You've only got four or five people on stage and you don't have 
a, a team on stage that can pull off guitar four yeah. from the record or acoustic three or all of these loops or pads or whatever. So as a way to supplement just the capabilities of the team, not not always just from a skill level, yep. but just from a personnel level. Absolutely. And we've just found that the addition of those sonic textures inside music keeps it more exciting, keeps it more engaging, keeps, and you, you know, your audience know this better than anybody, but just keeps it to the point where it causes people not to switch off. So we often say not every church should play to tracks, but we would make a pretty strong argument that most bands should play to a click uh, and the tightness that comes from playing to a 100%, click. 100%, yes. So for somebody who is at that level, yeah. like they're just trying to figure out how to play to a click mm -hmm. and how to get everybody's sense of time better. Let's start there. Like what are just some best practices from your experience as musicians but also from multi-tracks perspective, like if I, if I just want to add click and maybe some pads to what we're doing, yep. where do I start? What's the best sort of way to get that implemented into our workflow? So Playback, our tracks app is available on MacBook, but also on iPad and iPhone and iOS. And if you download the free version of Playback, that comes with clicks in all of the BPM range, I think from up to 200 and something BPM and all the way down. So it'll cover most of worship, right? And in all time signatures. So we can put a click track in there and we can match it with a pad. And we often say that's a great place to start. We often say start with an ambient pad just so the band get used to hearing something in their in-ears that maybe isn't being played on stage and then add a click track on top. And inside a playback, you can set the subdivisions of the click. So we find it really helpful to put the accent in. So there's always the downbeat. There's always the accent that people can follow. Yep. And then... You've got eighths, sixteenths, and L1 quarter notes in there that you can mix to get the comfortable level of click. And obviously on a slower song, we would encourage you to fill up more of that space so that there's not so many gaps between the parts of the metronome. Uh, and we'll often say, look, that's a great tool to take to a rehearsal and spend some time just getting comfortable. Um, and I've met plenty of musicians that think they have incredible timing until you introduce a metronome and then suddenly it exposes <laughs> that maybe that's not the case. And it's a skill and it's something to practice. But it's such a key that once we unlock playing to a metronome, it just opens up this whole world available to us. That's it's, always, it's always the click track that's off. Not it's always the, the click that's off. Never the drummer, always <laughs> the click track. <laughs> and then we also make uh, guide cues available. So most people have heard the intro two, three, four, um, the multitracks.com voice. But we make them available as well. So you can add a pad, a click, and even the guide cue. So we could take Firm Foundation and we could have our team just play just to that guide track without the rest of the tracks. It takes the pressure off uh, and it's very easy to turn that off um, or to fade that down should you get off track. And those features are available for free in yeah, playback without are. downloading any songs, really. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Yep. I think, you know, from a musicianship standpoint, I think just playing better in time, mm -hmm. playing better in tune. You know, people forget that those fundamentals are so important. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for a student band or even, you know, a volunteer band that's on stage in the main service, like just cleaning up your timing can do wonders for how it feels when you play a song. Yeah. You know, so that, that can't be overstated. But as you get more advanced and you get bigger teams and you sort of move further down the road, there's this distinction for me between, because I've heard it several times in churches where I hear everything from multitracks.com and then the band is trying to sort of play on top of that instead of letting the tracks complement what they're doing. So 
give us some best tips and strategies around how not to just feel like you're playing with the record, playing along on top of the record. Because I think there's a tension there too of, hey, I have all these tools, I need to use every one of them. And then we're duplicating things or we're stepping on parts or parts from tracks are stepping on us. So what do we do about that? Yeah, from um, I think from a team team standpoint, we have a product called Rehearsal Mix uh, that is available in our chart app, Chart Builder. So as a musician is getting ready for, for the weekend, you have the chart, but you have access to every guitar part. So not my church, I communicate with our guitar players. And if a song has four parts, we take time to listen, okay, what's the main hook on the verse, the pre-chorus? So we kind of talk ahead of time. And I think a lot of times um, people don't spend the time to really kind of dive in into all the parts. So that's what happens is you show up and a guy is playing and all of a sudden you hear the same part being played in the guitar stem. So I think there's, there's a, there has to be a healthy balance in, in, in my, my opinion. I think every environment is different. So we're always very cognizant of that. And we don't want to say this is the only way to run tracks. I think look at the dynamic of your, of your or the makeup of your band, the room, and really kind of just set some goals on what you're trying to accomplish. You may be in a place that having all the guitars on is the best thing because your guitar player can't play riffs yet. All they can do is power chords, and that's that's okay. Um, so I don't know if there's a right or wrong way, but I think just try trial and error. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I think it's contextualized, right, to the, mm-hmm. the church you're in. Uh, I'd been on the receiving end of being soul-destroyed by learning my part and turning up, and then it's in the tracks, and I'm like, come on, guys, what's happening? I've worked hard to learn this part. And I've been on the side where you just don't have quite enough in the tracks as well. Um, I think there's some best practices around it that we talk around. I think uh, we often talk about making a church comfortable with the idea of hearing tracks as well. And I think mixed well, Mm -hmm. they shouldn't be as obvious. They shouldn't be sticking out. They shouldn't, you know. And I think there's a psychological component to that where... I I like to say that if I can see an instrument on the stage, I'm happy to hear the group of sounds that come from that instrument. So if I can see a guitar, my brain's not confused by hearing three or four guitars. If I can see a piano or a keyboard, I'm comfortable hearing a whole variety of sounds. But there's something a little bit disingenuous to me when I go to a worship service or even a performance by a non-worship band and I'm hearing that guitar riff and there's no guitar on stage or I'm hearing the drums and there's just a cajon player and I'm like, what? There's something disconnecting here. So I think that subtle kind of adding of tracks and complementing the band so that they're supporting a band rather than the band doing karaoke mm-hmm. um, is, is a really useful conversation it's to like, have. Where is that cello coming from? Are they backstage? <laughs> where, what are they doing? Yeah. You know, but even with that, like I was telling the guys at dinner the other night. So um, a few years ago, I was a part of a, a church plant in downtown Austin. And um, after five years of, of um, planting seeds, it was evident that we weren't going to uh, bear the fruit of that. So we ended up closing our doors. Uh, and I was working at Multitract at the time, and you know we dwindled down to about 15 or 20 people on a Sunday morning. And my band at that point had gone. We had now, and so we're closing our doors. So I think it was the Sunday, not, not our last Sunday. The last Sunday I brought everybody back, and we, we celebrated what God had done. But uh, a few Sundays before, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put myself in a situation and just me on guitar and have everything on. And I got to tell you, I felt, I felt like a dork up there. I had the <laughs> drums going, and... But I committed to the moment, and yeah. I led worship, and I walked off stage just feeling that was, that was ridiculous. And then I talked to some folks, they're like, man, that's the best it's ever sounded. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> it was just me up there. My wife's like, no, I wasn't distracted at all. Mm-hmm. And it just, for me, it was a moment of realizing, okay, 
my job as a worship leader is not for me to be comfortable. It's to create, to be cognizant of what God is doing in the room. And so it's not about how I feel. It's about as long as the message is coming across, as long as there's no distractions. And in that moment, I realize, oh, wow, it's not about me. It's about what's happening in the room. So yeah. I've never done that again, but I, I, I will say that uh, I have led worship with drums and everything on, and, and it, it worked that morning. Yeah, it's about context. I think also it's important to make sure that there's clarity among the team and leadership about why we're making some of these choices. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, so to have a clear conversation so that you have a clear response if somebody asks a question. Hey, you know, there seems to be a lot of stuff going on that the band isn't really doing. What's that about? Like to your point about it being disingenuous or it being contrived yep. it's like no we we have a vision for we want to present this song in the best possible way and there are things that we aren't able to pull off with our band in its current configuration so we've decided to add some of these elements and everybody's okay with that yep. it's it's no secret it's not like we're trying to pull one over on you it's just hey we want to you know present the song in a way that is engaging and compelling and emotional and these tools are available for us to be able to do that better. So I think, again, it's it's all about, you know, conversation and relationship yeah. and leadership. So is there anything you would add to that in terms of a best practice? Like if you're the worship pastor, what's the best way to communicate those kind of things to leadership? Yeah, great question. I think so much of it is mission-based and in context and in conversation, like you said. Uh, it's been really helpful for me when I've been communicating both to musicians and leaderships as a worship pastor to to point out who out there that inspires us is already using tracks. Uh, and you'd know this better than anybody. It's not just small churches that need to supplement the musicianship. A lot of the right. teams that we look up to yeah. that are leading incredible times of, uh, of worship are also... And I will also tracks. say, every one of the artists that you like to listen to is not able to pull off what they have on their records 100%. live. Correct. Yeah. Chris Tomlin's band is five people. Yeah. There are many guitar parts on those records, many background vocal parts on those records, many keyboard parts on those records that you're not going to hear yep. from those five people. But the audience is coming to experience what they've heard on the record. Mm-hmm. So whether it's Tomlin or Elevation or Passion, they all use tracks in their live performances. Yep. So it's, you know, it's just acknowledging that, being okay with it, and finding the right balance for you yeah, and your team. Absolutely. And in my context in the UK where I was leading worship, the actual end goal was beyond just supplementation of our sound. We wanted to get to the point where we were able to put less lyrics on the screen at any one time. And we couldn't do that because our poor volunteer was pressing spacebar every two seconds. So we wanted to get to the point where we could automate our lyrics and have them kept in time with our tracks because that was the single biggest thing that we did to increase engagement in the room was have lyrics that were always on time and less lyrics on the screen. And we went then to automating some of our lighting changes and having them done. And that all came as a result of implementing this technology that meant the band were tight and on a click track. So let's talk about that for a second, actually more than a second, because there are a ton of features inside multitracks through the playback app that enable a lot of that to happen. So for people who haven't used playback, Mm -hmm. maybe they've used Pro Tools or Ableton or some other DAW, talk about playback because there are so many features that in my mind, make it uh, 
category leader mm-hmm. in terms of live performance? So, yeah. And I know this is Christian's question because he <laughs> is the director of products. And so I know you're really excited about this. Yeah. So just, just go because I, I want like everybody to hear all about it. I keep pointing to Christian. I'm like, this is your world, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I could talk about this all day. My... I said this earlier on, my background was Ableton Live. My background was trying to achieve all of this with an incredibly powerful door, but it wasn't really designed for the church world. It was designed for the DJ market and for electronic creation of music. And there are so many people out there that were hacking Ableton, myself included, and creating resources to make it do something that was really effective, but not what it was designed for. And certainly not easy for and a volunteer. Easy. No, absolutely. Uh, we were t- chatting about this story earlier on, Jeff, but I was on a field trip with Compassion in Uganda visiting an orphanage. Uh, and as I'm walking into that service in this tin hut on the side of a mountain, I got a FaceTime call from my church back in the UK asking me for tech support on Ableton on a Sunday morning. So you're standing there with a worship team in Uganda who has a guitar with two strings yep. and a piano with broken keys. Absolutely. And the contrast between that and this fully resourced team in the UK that is having Ableton crashing and yep. doesn't know what to do. Yep. That's a pretty stark it, it was, yeah, dichotomy. It was, it was drastic. And, and I helped them get them set up. And it was funny because like Christian worship's, you know, going to crash this morning. We can't lead the way that we're used to leading. Uh, it's going to be a disaster. We're going to, you know, and, and there I am. And we sorted them out. It was a fairly easy fit. So it was something to do with warping without having the right, you know, buttons pressed. And we talked them through it. And then I walked into this, Ugandan service. And I was like, my goodness, some, there's a disconnect here. But also it's for me as this Ableton Life trainer that's training churches around the world, and I haven't passed on enough knowledge to my volunteers that they can solve that. And that really kind of started my church's transition from Ableton to Playback, because Playback was catching up and in some areas overtaking Ableton all the time to the point where I could put playback in any volunteer's hands and with not much time they could get fully comfortable to do it and then suddenly I had this time back to focus on so many other things so inside of playback we've got things like uh, dynamic vocal cues so if I decide to jump from the verse to the bridge I'm not having to tap dance and press it in the last measure like I would with Ableton I can choose that at any time in the verse and it's going to call out bridge and seamlessly go to bridge but not only will it go there and tell the band in their own ears it's going to make sure the right lyrics come up in front of the congregation to go to the bridge and the right chord charts and lyrics in front of my musicians So this connected kind of ecosystem that we call the connected stage means that any decision I make as a music director or a worship leader is just going to seamlessly play out. um, And so that's basically the software is sending MIDI commands to ProPresenter to be able to cue the right slides. You're sending, you've got WebSocket technology that's connecting playback to Chart Builder, which is basically making sure that every chord chart, if people are using charts on stage... It's following along, and if the sections of the song, if the form of the song changes, yes, it just automatically tracks. Absolutely, and yeah. those chords can be selected to be shown in either chord symbols. Yep, Nashville number system. Yep, whatever other do re mi do re mi. Um, yeah, capo <laughs> capo. All yeah. all the options. Yeah, all the options. So every musician can have. Um, and chord charts are so personal, right? Every musician can have them in front of them the way they, they want to. Maybe the vocalists don't want the chords and they just want the lyrics. So maybe the drummer just wants a song map in front of them. But in real time, as we make those decisions to repeat the bridge, go to the core, uh, go to the chorus, 
uh, go back to the verse, it's going to go ahead of you and highlight that section in front of the musician that before they even get to the section it tells them. Yeah, so it, it, it's a look-ahead feature, yep. both with the guide yes. vocally, but yep. then with chord charts Absolutely. and MIDI. And yep. then you, you can also then send MIDI information to your lighting desk mm -hmm. or um, MIDI changes to maybe uh, the key of the song in waves. Yeah. Um, what about time code? Yeah, playback sends simply time code now uh, over a discrete audio output as well. So we have churches that are using that for lyric videos or sending to the Grand MA for lighting controls or sending it out to broadcast rooms as well. And playback, as you turn on simply will ask you to choose, I think, one of five different frame rates uh, inside of playback. And then you can select where in the song simply starts from and it's starting time as well. So however your Simpty's set up, uh, playback can route that. And this is all coming from an iPhone or an right, iPad. Right, it's all from an right, iPad yeah, or an iOS device. Or MacBook if you want oh, yeah. to, but yeah. So another thing that strikes me as I watch as I watch you interact with playback is just the, the ability that it affords somebody to be um, free in a flow moment to yeah. adapt to changes in real time. So yeah. um, talk about pad player and some of the other features that enable those sort of transitions to happen smoothly. Yeah, absolutely. I think if we wind back a couple of years, we were in a scenario where tracks were amazing, but they hindered the improv or spontaneous part of leading worship. Unless you had an incredible technician side of stage running that for you, responding yeah. to what was going on. And that's an incredible role. And, you know, we've talked about this in the last few days. There's some really talented people that do that. But if you don't have that playback, Ableton engineer side of stage, how do you respond to those moments? So we have put several things inside of playback specifically for churches that want to respond and move differently. So we have a single loop button that can be mapped to any MIDI controller or to your feet, to fingers, or even on screen. So if I just want to do a one-time repeat of that bridge or that chorus, I can tap a button, the vocal cues, the MIDI cues, everything will allow me to do that. I can infinite loop a section. So if I just want to stay in that interlude whilst I read a scripture, encourage the church, uh, talk about what we're doing, I can absolutely do that. So the practical application for that is a host or pastor comes up on stage yes, and there's a four-bar section of the song yeah. that would typically go into a bridge or yeah. start the bridge and build. So you can take that four-bar section, just hit infinite loop, yep. and those four bars just keep going absolutely, so that somebody can have a spontaneous... Yep. prayer or a talk yep. or do something to transition the, the room that isn't dependent on the band doing their typical build into the bridge. Right. And then all you have to do is turn infinite loop off and it will automatically advance to the next section of the song. Correct. So it's a very simple way yes. to go from a looping section to, okay, now we're back in and the guide and all the instruments and all that just changes with is it one bar or is it selectable to be two bars or is it... Yeah, it'll get to the end of that section. So it'll play through the rest of that section and then move on into the next. So again, what we love about this is I can toggle on and off that loop, but I'm not having to do it in the last measure and then fear that I've missed it. It's just going to go through so into good. the next section. Um, a little while ago, we put another audio engine inside a playback for running pads as pad player. So previous to that, playback had one audio engine. It could play one... Um, section of audio at a time 
When we added the second one, we're allowed to put tracks on top of ambient pads. So the practical application of that is when we press play, we can have the tracks from the original recording with a complementary ambient pad, maybe even some that are designed to match perfectly underneath. So if I need to fade the tracks out or I get to the end of the song and I don't want the sonic moment to change, from a listener's point of view, it's not clear whether I'm playing with tracks or if the ambient pad has sat there. I can turn on and off the click or I can choose to get back into a section. So we do this all the time in my context where a song will finish and it will just rest on the ambient pad. And if we want to go back and improv and go back into the bridge or the chorus at a tap of a button, we can do that as well. So a lot of these tools that are available. That's incredible. And you've got dozens of pads to choose from. Different textures, different, you know, producers have created some of these things that have customizable levels of let's say there's you know there's a darker mellow thing but then there's a a swell or something you can you can mix those elements independent of each other within that pad sound to create a more customized version of that to begin with so rather than having a keyboard player who has to try to craft that in real time spontaneously in the moment they could focus on maybe just playing the piano and have pad player do its thing underneath it all and just be ready for what's next. Absolutely. It's amazing. Yeah, and we're seeing musicians use this all the time. Recently we saw the guitar player with Phil Wickham using Pad Player um, as part of his guitar rig so that he can put a guitar ambient drone sat underneath the parts that he's that he's playing. Uh, we borrow and take pads from the likes of Peter James from Hillsong and Nigel Hendroff and Call Sound and David Wellman and Jim Danica and a whole bunch of other incredible musicians and they're creating pads for us that sit inside a playback for you Independent of the song itself. Independent of the song itself. So you can match any pad with any song. Yeah, in any key in any at, key, any at any time. <laughs> so what else? What are the other key features of playback that make it a differentiator in the space? So I think the ability to take uh, and mix any of the stems so we're going to give you the original recording, as we've said already, but you've got access to all of the stems in there. So we can mix those stems. We can put them into any one of those 12 keys that are available. We can change the BPM. Um, we can change the arrangement of the song. So if I want to start with the bridge rather than the verse, I can do all of that. If I arrive at soundcheck and the worship leader says, actually, I just want this to be a short intro and straight into the bridge, within a few clicks, I can make that happen. Um, and a lot of that was reserved for my 40 hours a week that I used to do, where I would have to have all these options available, even if they weren't going to be used. And we almost had to know what we were doing. Right, you time. almost have to know in advance what's coming so that you can pre-program those and make them somehow still feel spontaneous. Right. It's and, difficult. And have those options. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's why you know all of these courses and Ableton experts popped up because they were hacking different ways of trying to give you those tools to do that. Uh, and the benefit of writing an app from the ground up designed for worship leaders and to innovate on that weekly um, means that we're starting with the worship leader in mind and giving those tools. Well, even so. For me, like I'm, I'm leading worship this Sunday and uh, tomorrow night our production team shows up and they build a pro presenter and on the flight here and I finished uh, this morning, you know, I did all my arrangement, my mix settings, my busing, and I just saved it to the cloud. And then tomorrow, our tech person is going to walk in on the iPad on stage. They're going to open up my set list with everything ready to go, go to proper presenter computer, download it, and that's it. You know, so I, even that for me, yeah. I just I, that was building it this week. I'm I'm excited to lead worship. 
uh, for many reasons, but I'm like, it is so cool that I don't have to be physically there. It's mm -hmm. just, I did the work here and they just open it on their end and we're ready to go. So you talked about your team and what they're going to experience tomorrow night at rehearsal. So what if we rely on planning center for that information? How does that integrate with playback? Well, yeah, the great, the great thing is if you're using planning center, you don't have to duplicate the work. If you go into playback and go into the set list section, I just do import from planning center. So everything's just imported directly. And then I go into each arrangement of the song and I can recall whatever arrangement I want, whether it's the default or if I'm going to do a shorter version or extended version, a lot of different ways. That's very cool. That's great. And I think then the benefit on the other side of that is once you finish leading that set of worship, if you have the church streaming license, it automatically reports yep. back for you as well. So there's an end of that product that, or end of that process that would have taken a lot of time to take all that activity and make sure it's reported. Uh, now just happens automatically in our ecosystem as well. That's amazing. So is there anything that you can sort of tease out to us that might be, because I know you're developing new features all the time. It seems like there's a new version of playback. Yeah every week okay. <laughs> or some update. So what's a feature that's coming soon that you might be able to sort of let our listeners in on, especially as church production folks that you think would be like, hey, this is going to be really cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll tease two for okay. you. Uh, so one that we'll see pretty quickly here, um, probably beta within the next week or so, is something called automations. So this is the idea that what if I only want guitar two in the bridge and not in the verse? What if I want a completely different mix um, when I get to the chorus than I do in the bridge? So we're going to allow the customer to go down and pause the track at any point, change some mix settings inside of the faders, uh, and then commit that change to the timeline, a bit like you would a digital snapshot in a desk. Yeah. And then as playback progresses through the timeline, it'll make those recalls and you can set fades over a certain number of bars between those sections so we might decide that in verse three we want nothing but a pad and we can take that out but we want it all fading back in at the end of that pad to create that moment so automations is coming really soon that's very that's cool. pretty exciting i think the one that the mxu listeners are going to really love is what we're calling remote okay so you told me about this yep. and i instantly said this needs to happen like tomorrow. So <laughs> it does. tell everybody what remote is going to enable us to do. So we're finding that more and more of our customers are using playback in very different ways. So it could be that you have a MacBook plugged into a Dante connection, side of stage. You could have it in the drummer's cage. It could be in front of the music director. What remote will allow you to do is to open up a copy of playback on any of the devices and control the main playback device. So let's say the MacBook is side of stage and it's plugged into Dante. Your front of house engineer could open up his iPad and effectively see the same playback session and in real time make mixed changes inside of the stems or make any changes that are available to playback and do that. Your guitar player could have their phone with a MIDI controller plugged into their phone and it's going to send that MIDI control wirelessly back to the main playback device for them to maybe press loop or for them to press go to song two or go to bridge. So we can give MIDI control, live control and mix control to any of those devices. That just opens up a world of possibilities and uh, uh, you know, you have to trust who you're putting that control, Absolutely. you know, <laughs> capability in. But 
from a front of house perspective, you know, there I can't tell you the number of times where there's a there's a loop stem yep. that I really want to push, but the tambourine or a shaker or something is just out of balance. Right. Not not in the not in the creation of the track, but just in the way it's translating through the PA. Okay. So for me able for me to be able to go into that element yep. and go, okay, in this set of stems, let me just pull down the tambourine three dB from front of house yep. without having to interrupt the rehearsal, without having to do anything to sort of disrupt the flow. Yes. That's invaluable. I mean, that is gonna be a massive asset. Absolutely. And, and- even then at front of house, you could, if that's the perfect mix that you want coming from playback, we can save that as an arrangement. So then every time that song is recorded, you're going to have that percussion stems come out at exactly the right level for you as well. Man, that's cool. You guys are doing incredible things. And I'm just so grateful for your commitment to the product and to be you know, constantly listening to feedback and implementing new features like these. But also your just commitment to serving the church and building teams. And, you know, what I love about our partnership is that we both just focus so much on getting better and helping teams get better and to be more healthy. And so um, your commitment to producing products that enable that on a daily basis is inspiring. So thank you both for being here, Oscar and Christian. I just, it's great to know you guys and it's great to, partner with you in this journey of serving production teams. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. Man, I some days want to go back to the simple days of just a band, but then like all this technology is so (laughs) like enticing, all the flexibility and cool stuff. I've been in Ableton for a minute, but like the playback software and that kind of stuff, what a great tool um, to help people kind of do it with excellence you know i love that i do love the licensing part incredible that they've done all the legwork on that yeah and i love the idea that even for a band who just wants to implement a click track right now you know you can get click and guide and all that stuff for free you don't even have to subscribe to any of the other content they're just they they want you to be a better band and so i love their heart for the church i love their heart for building teams It was just really cool to meet those guys and work with them for a few days in person as we made some videos for the MXU library about multi-tracks. So can't wait for you guys to see that. They're going to be edited soon and they're going to be coming to you on the app. If you're not an MXU subscriber, I'm telling you, some of the things that we're doing in the next few months to build teams and to help you recruit, train, and retain your volunteers is going to be amazing. It already is amazing, but... Uh, if, if you're a leader of a team, I'm telling you, you have to subscribe at GenMXU.com because what's coming is going to blow you away. So thanks for joining in with us on that. Jay, it's always a great pleasure to see your face. I'm so glad we got to chat today. Yeah, man, always. You're only two hours away, but sometimes in my head, it's like so far. I know. I should meet you, meet you halfway for lunch. You know, we, there's, there's got to be a Chick-fil-A halfway. <laughs> no, you need to come up here for some Lewis barbecue. That's what we mm, need to do. Father God. Yeah. But I'm going to be mixing, actually, at your place next Sunday. So maybe we'll see each other. You, we won't because I'm gone. Oh. That's why you're there because I'm not there. Where are you going? Uh, 
Rusty and I are um, doing an event for our friends at Think Q. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we'll be at the Cloister. Um, Rusty will be playing golf. I'll be taking a nap. Well, there's worse things. Yeah, that'll be great. Great. Well, until next time, I hope you have a great week. And uh, write somebody a note. Yeah, check in with your friends. Build some community. We'll see you on the MXU 75.